0: And we think we can safely accommodate uh, everybody in that one service. And uh, another thing that was very significant to our community, we went virtual uh, on March 15th of last year. And so that, uh, that day was very significant for our congregation because our, our dear brother Jordan Nunn died that day. As well, And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a memorial service outdoors that day on March 15th at 4 p.m. at Yankee Hill Cemetery. And uh, I would very much encourage you, I said this to the morning service, uh, very much encourage everybody, even if you don't know Jordan, to come. Uh, we think it's a safe space to be outside together and just to kind of be together uh, the year mark of when we all got uh, dispersed because of the pandemic. And so... Uh, More information will be coming with that. We're also, uh, we made this slideshow show about Jordan and uh, one of my songs playing in the background. Um, So we'll show that in the coming weeks in the morning service as well. So um, we are in Revelation 21 and you need to think of like the, the, you know, the most foundational chapters in the Bible are the first three, uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, I think that the last two chapters in Revelation is something that we need to dwell a lot on uh, because it's like heaven coming back to earth. So it's like this garden plus a city is what you see in chapter 21 and, and 22. We skipped over uh, Revelation 20, but I did do a podcast teaching on it. And so if you are interested in Revelation 20, it's a kind of more academic take on um, that chapter, and so I, I didn't think it was uh, best suited for a sermon, but Revelation 21 is one of my favorite chapters in, in all of Scripture, and so that's what we're going to look at today, and this is God's Word to you tonight. Uh, I'm super, super excited to, uh, to think about this with y'all. Uh, this, is, this is God's Word to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So our practice here at Redeemer to enter into prayer together and we spend some moments in silence before we do that. One of the one of the reasons we spend some moments in silence is because the testimony of scripture is that earth and heaven are together in the person and work of Jesus. Which means that heaven is always available to you at all times right up under your nose. And so in order to uh, engage our hearts and minds with that, we, we pray. And when, when you pray, you're saying, I believe in something that I don't feel, see, and touch. Um, and so we spend some moments in silence to kind of figure out what we're doing here. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, you've been so kind to give us another day. You've been so kind uh, to allow us the, the pleasure of existing in your world and seeing the sunlight and uh, experiencing the turn of seasons. And, and Lord, we ask now that as we imagine heaven, as we imagine the new world in which you are creating and bringing to earth, um, would you make us, Lord, a community that's a, a replica of what it will be like in heaven, a little model home of the future. And Lord, um, we know that you love your good world and it is very broken, but you love it because it's inherently good because you created it. And so help us to see that, Lord. Help us to uh, think of the new creation in a way that gives us not just energy to to face whatever it is we're going to face today, um, but, but the sure belief that this stuff is true that you're creating an environment in which nothing uh, will ever go bad ever again. And so, Lord, give us that hope right now by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, a merger tonight. If, if you're in the business world, you know what mergers are, right? Two, two businesses come together. There's a, a union that was broken apart in the Garden of Eden. Heaven and earth were together. And when sin came into the world, things began to fall apart. And the concept of heaven and scripture, both in the Jewish and the Christian mind, is that heaven and earth were always meant to be synced up together. And this is one of the things that completely changed my whole concept for thinking about scripture, but also my life. And I went to seminary that this thing called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, um, is very much a part of everything that I see in this world and everything that I read in Scripture. Um, And and you see it there in the text in verse 2. It literally says, And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And a lot of times what we think when, when we die, that our souls immediately go to God. And that, that is true, but that's not the end of the story. This is the end of the story. That heaven comes to you and comes back to earth and ignites everything in the way that you really, really want it to be ignited. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, Heaven is barely out of the range of our senses at all times. But it's brought to our senses through John's vision here. And he said, we're not able to look at the events around us as some sort of hopeless deception or human misery. But when we see creation, and this is very important, you guys, especially if you think about your relationships, especially if you think about the world and all the brokenness. Um, when you look at those things, you are supposed to see the birth pains of creation beckoning you to participate in remaking the gospel. In the world, the good news that God's going to fix everything. Because our tendency is to despair, to think it's all pointless. Heaven, Eugene Peterson says, heaven is as actual as earth. So what does that mean? Two years ago, I was driving down here over the bridge thing, and I uh, turned left on Charleston. I office right here in this little house. And I saw this kid, probably eight or nine years old, um, who had just uh, come from Casey's gas station. And he had three milkshakes that he was pressing against his chest like this. One was chocolate and vanilla and strawberry. And as he was walking, he was alternating which he drank from and going back and forth just to kind of get it all in. And it was like, man, he was just owning Charleston like he was living his best life now. And uh, I remember thinking, this is, this is my tendency when I see something like that, I, I tend to laugh, but then I think, you know, he better get that under control or he's gonna have some health problems when he gets older. you know." Or like, that kid needs to learn how to share. But as I thought about him um, in this passage, I began to wonder, what if he was onto something that we just sort of can't see when we get older? This, I want this to be a mantra in our church, that we learn the gospel from our kids. We learn what heaven's like from our kids. Uh, what if he knows how to delight himself in this world without fear? You know, we lose that as we get older because we experience so much pain. What we see in our passage today is this reunion of when, when things in, in earth can be enjoyed without the threat of anything ever going wrong. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When you see Jesus healing people in Scripture, you know, you have people bent all over and he comes and touches them and they, they straighten up and they get back to work. Or when he rises from the dead, and he's like, I really, I really want to eat some fish for breakfast. What? Why did he do that? Why would he do those things? It's because he was very earthy. Just like you. And the earth is good. And he's come to restore it. And what he says is everything's holy. Casey's gas station during the week is just as holy as this church is on Sunday. Because it's all his. And here's the, the two questions I, I want to run through this passage with tonight. Um, heaven, what is it there? Point one. And point two, what is there? So heaven, point one, what is what is it there? Ver, verse one. Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Now, the sea in the Bible is a representation of uncertainty and chaos and essentially death. It's not talking about like things like Florida and California are gone away. That's not what it's saying. Um, but in the, in the new creation, you kind of get a description of what the sea was in verse four. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's what the sea represents and in the new heaven and the new earth, let's meditate on this for just just a little bit, um, there will be no more deception. There will be no more anxiety. No more fighting. No more cancer. No more sickness. Your body will be perfect. Your brain will be perfect. Your love will be perfect. Everything will be resurrected to perfection without the threat of it ever ending. Can you imagine? Uh, Sinclair Ferguson said, imagine seeing your child sitting on the lap of a complete stranger at church or in the mall and you never wondered what could go wrong in that situation because it was a pure environment. You never had the threat of mistrust John's getting these churches. Remember, he's writing to seven churches who are hurting, and he's trying to get them to imagine what it's going to be like in a complete, perfect environment. Because that's what this is. And that's what's heading for us. Maybe more than anything uh, right now in this season, I want you to think about the things in your life that you love most in, in the world, on the earth people's faces, you know hugs, we're deficient in hugs Um, food relationships, seasons, exercise sports reading, being a parent, being a child being a grandparent, think about all those things make a top five list and you can't really enjoy these things on earth to the full extent because they're all going to end or they're all marred This is what heaven's going to be like. It's like the joy of those milkshakes minus the consequences. It's like the joy of those things and it never ending. Uh, As many people have said, verse 5, God doesn't say, I am making all new things, but He says, I'm making all things new, which means the things that you love most in this world, you know of heaven through them. When God talks about dissolving the world, He's talking about purifying it with fire. That his presence is so pure and clean that the heavens literally run away from them because they're toxic with sin. But it remains. The goodness remains. Um I don't know if you've ever been to the smoking section in an airport. Um, and I'm not saying I have, or haven't. <laughs> Um, But what's so terrible about the smoking rooms in airports is that it's so infested with cigarette smoke that it permeates everything and everyone. And this is what life is like in a fallen world. And when God comes into uh, the world, he purifies everything. And zaps it in reverse. My brother uh, bought a house in Nashville. He and his wife, my sister-in-law. Um, and the previous owner was an avid smoker. And he was like, dude, for real. We got this guy to come. And he had some sort of machine, an air something. And uh, he's like, it smelled like dad's hunting club growing up, like a straight up ashtray. And then we walked in the next day and it was like, I, I could only smell air. It was so pure. And that's what it's like when heaven comes back to earth it's immediate purification it's immediate doing away with all of the toxicity of sin all that's been tainted in us and by us and and what's hard for us to imagine is that you know when we think about heaven we're like oh we'll go back to my like 16-year-old body or whatever like no That's like a a seed compared to a plant. You're thinking like a seed. We don't know how incredible it's going to be. And, you know, when a baby is born, the very first day a baby is born, it begins to die. That's how messed up sin has made this world. And what this passage is saying is that that's passing away. That's the the stuff that's going to get extinguished by God's purifying presence. And the reason why we feel, in this world, the reason why we feel caged in, or the reason why we feel like we're longing for home, even when we like go home, is because this world is the smoking section of the airport. And reading this passage is... Similar to like watching a child be born, or getting married, or the first sip of coffee in the morning, or tripling up on milkshakes. It's like sitting by the door, and you get sort of like a whiff of fresh air, and then it closes. You know. Um, I want you to think about how this brings hope to people, especially these Christians here in in the first century. You know, they had uh, this this living hope. That couldn't be stamped out at all. Tertullian, the uh, early church father said, every time you kill Christians, the church grows. It's like the seed of the church. And the reason why is because er these early Christians, they didn't give up on creation, nor did they give up on people. And so literally there's records of them. they're, They're being killed and they're like praying for these people that are killing them. And Rome would like discard all these sick people out on the streets. And the Christians were the one that would go down the streets and pick them up and, and raise them. Because they saw value in everything. And this is the crazy thing. They didn't believe anything that Rome taught about these pagan gods. And yet they were better Roman citizens than Romans. Because of this. They were literally like the salt of the earth. Preservatives. They used to be. Christians used to be enhancers of culture, <laughs> not detractors from it. And what you see in the early church is this sort of deep, this is how they did it, deep affirmation and love of people that you disagree with. Uh, love and care for the broken brokenness of the world. Um, and it was born out of the belief that the scriptures have always taught that God is not about hitting the reset button. God, for some reason, God doesn't like to hit the reset button. He likes to work with what's there. And re-renew, not recreate. Not wipe things clean, but redeem. And that somehow, this is how he's an artist, that somehow, because of all the brokenness that you have experienced in all your stories... At the end of your life, it will be more beautiful if you could look in retrospect now. It will be more beautiful than if nothing bad had ever happened to you. What else does the cross mean if it doesn't mean that? Everything that was meant for harm and evil, God will somehow make good. That's the great tapestry of the world. That's what the Lamb represents in Revelation. It all centers on Him. Dostoevsky says, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all crimes, of the Humanity that sheds so much blood that it will make it not only possible to forgive but justify all that happened. Let me tell you a small way how how this should inform how we are to relate to those outside and inside the church Um, that we are about renewal, not recreation. Uh, Jerem Bars was a, a seminary professor at Covenant. In Missouri, and his father was an atheist and a Marxist. And uh, he saw so much goodness in his dad. And one of Jaron Bards' class assignments was to get his students to read works from someone that they deeply disagreed with, and then in their paper, they could only say affirming things about the work and the position. And what he was doing, he's trying to encourage his class, his class of Christians, to creatively insert themselves into the lives of non-Christians to replace barriers with bonds, claiming that we can either be defined as the church, we can either be defined as being against culture, which only heightens fear and disdain, and we retreat and we separate, or we can create bonds because we actually believe in God And that we can intercede for people through prayer. We can influence people with love. And we can be friends with people that we disagree with. And the reason why, John Barr says, is because all the raw material is God's. It all belongs to Him. And we're heading towards new creation. A life like this one without all the bad stuff. Uh, That's what's not in heaven. All the bad stuff. What is in heaven? Um, Verse 3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. If I could give you one verse that completely sums up the Bible in the best way that I I, I know how that would be the verse. That from the garden to the tabernacle, to the temple, to Jesus's incarnation, to Pentecost, to the new creation. This is the main thing about God. He really wants to be with you. He really does. The measure at which you believe that will be the measure at which you want to be your people. This is what one counselor says is one of the most powerful forces of healing. He calls it the withness of others. And He's like, I can't explain it, but when you're sad, you're scared, and you're hurt, and and somebody just comes to be with, with you, He says, I don't know how it happens, but you just get better. It's healing. And I think more than anything, that's been the most challenging thing about this season in our world in the church. Like one person in our church described it. It's like she said, it's like we're down in the weeds in our in our homes. And then we can't see anybody or see anything. and, And we come out and. No one's there, or we came out at a time when no one else came out, and so we're just like, I I guess, well, I guess I'm alone. Um, In the new creation, there won't be pandemics, but I think more vital than that, you will never, ever feel alone. If you're in high school, y'all need to understand this. You'll never feel like on the outside, and adults, y'all need to hear this too. I need to hear it. You'll you're, you'll never feel like on the outside of a circle that you really want to be in on. You know, that's the Trinity, by the way. That's the circle you really want to get in on. And God's like, "Yeah, come on, and be a part of this." That's God with you. It's what you were made for. And most of us have stories of deficiencies and dysfunctions that would call that into question, that that could be true. And God says in the new creation, you're in because he wants to be in with you. You'll never feel isolated because of anything. Whether you have a different view of somebody or not, you don't look right, whatever. And it's because this is the point of your life that the whole point of heaven is that God wants to sync up with you and he wants you to sync up with other people. And when you do that, you mimic what's going on in heaven here on earth. Um, I'm going to tell you a parable. Uh, there was a guy who was walking down the street and he fell into a hole and he was yelling for help down in the hole. Um, sorry, I'm thinking about a 90s song called Down in the Hole by Allison Chains. You remember that song? That song was sick. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Uh, He's down in this hole, and the doctor walks by, and he's like, help. And the doctor's like, "Uh, here, I'll write you a prescription. And he throws the prescription down in the hole to him. And that doesn't help And So a priest walks by and he's like, hey, can you help me? And the priest looks at him, and he's like, I'll pray for you. So he writes him a prayer and throws it down in the hole. And then finally, one of his friends, his actual friends, comes. And he's like, help. And so his friend jumps down in the hole with them, and the guy's like, I, Are you dumb? Like, now we're both down in here and we're not going to be able to get out. And the guy looks at him and he says, I know, but I've been down here before and I actually do know how to get out. And I'll be with you. Um, coming out of COVID, you got to practice being with people in two ways. Um, You need to look around your life and see someone who's down in a hole and you need to get down in that hole with them. Not to stay there. uh, Not to complain about the hole or not to complain about the institutions that govern us, but just to be with your friend. And here's how you get out of the hole. You tell that friend, hey, this is my story and how God renewed it. Secondly, You need to ask someone to get down in the hole with you, which may be a little bit harder. You need to let somebody be with you in your sadness, who's further along than you. The New Testament calls that uh, koinonia, fellowship, one another in one another. Uh, Philosopher Jamie Smith uh, said that this kind of thing happened for him During COVID, he's he's a philosopher. He's like, I think for a living. I write books. And he said, "I, I got to a place during COVID where I could not think myself out of this terrible year. And I was in a bad place. And he said, I rediscovered my purpose when a friend of mine had the remarkable ability to embody grace to me by just being with me. And he said, all right, it was interesting because our conversations went from the exchange of ideas to he began to uh re-story my life. He began to tell me a different story about who I am. And he said that never would have been possible had my friend not embodied what it means to be with me. Now, that's exactly what John is doing with these churches. He's like, he's on an island with no one around called Patmos. And he's like, I get it. I'm alone. I'm scared just like you, seven churches. But let me tell you a different story. He says, these words that Jesus gave to us are true and trustworthy. You can bank on them. And here's the story. God is going to fix everything. (laughs) He's going to fix everything. How would your life change if you actually believe that? That he wants to be with you and he's going to make it happen no matter what. And like it's literally somebody cut your head off it still can't stop it. Your marriage falls apart. Still can't stop it. You commit the worst sin ever. Can't stop it. How do we know this is true? It's because Jesus, the Lamb, He's the proof that that God wants to tabernacle with us. He wants to get down in that hole with us, and He drew us out of the. (laughs) It's like He draws us out of the smoking section just for brief moments here in this world. He said, "Won't you smell this fresh air?" It's nice, isn't it? Um, what isn't in heaven is bad stuff? What is God and other people and everything on earth that you love? Um, here's, here's one thing I'll leave you with as I close. The next time you have a wonderful evening or moment with friends, um, the next time you enjoy, let's say, you know you, you enjoy like that kid with the three milkshakes and you're just like in so much peace in that moment. Um, instead of uh, thinking about it ending or not enjoying that moment, what you need to think is that God blesses those moments and says there's more of that to come in the new creation. And the proof of it is in Jesus because everywhere Jesus went, he restored everything. He's like a fire hydrant of the new creation, everywhere he touches, and he wants to touch every part of your life. Uh, that's what this passage is about: that heaven is coming back to earth, and uh, your enjoyment of it hinges on actually believing it, which is the great challenge: is is heaven as actual as earth? The answer here is, yeah, it is. Uh, let's pray and we will continue in worship. Father, we do thank you for your mercy and your grace. And as we uh, confess our sins tonight and as we have uh, come together this season and worship in the evening, um, Lord, would even enough, uh the new